Praise the Lord, everyone. Greetings in Jesus' name. My name is Brother Cruz, and I'm your host for the Everyday Apostolics Podcast, where the individual shares their story for God's glory. Well, I do hope you've uh, enjoyed our last our last and our first episode for this season with uh, Reverend Matthew Lunga, all the way from the Apostolic Tabernacle of Adelaide, or simply in abbreviated form, Tartoa. Uh, I do hope that in some way or some manner, that you took something out of it, that you're encouraged by his journey, his story, and it's wonderful to see where he is right now. So once again, thank you, Reverend Matthew. But for this week, it's an honor to go back to Adelaide again, but this time to Gospel Lighthouse. And of course, in Gospel Lighthouse, it's a wonderful church. I've been there twice, for especially for Australian Youth Missions back in 2012 and 2013. So it's, it's a... It's been, it's been a long time, but uh, one thing I'm thankful for is to go over there to Adelaide and it's, um, it's a church that is growing and it's, a, and it's a wonderful group of people as well. So to all those that are in Adelaide, my personal greetings, shout out to, uh, to Pastor Jeff Barendorf and the family. And also once again, uh, it's wonderful to see that there's churches in Adelaide. So for this week, I've had the honor and privilege to have Sister Natasha Copian, or before I, she was married, was Sister Natasha Barendorf. But what I'm very, very, really thankful sorry, is to have the sister on the podcast where she shares her story. Of course, being the daughter of a pastor, there is that some way that pressure or sort of that, uh, you know, that present that good image of being, uh, being a good role model in the church, especially as a preacher's kid. But look, I'm going to leave it from there and I'm going to let Sister Tash share her story. But also on top of that, just want to say a big thank you to all those that have been listening, to all those that have been following the new Everyday Apostolics Instagram page. Just like laying it out there. So if you haven't followed, please follow it. Oh, you know, <laughs> uh, it would be greatly appreciated. But yeah, it's just in a way to separate, you know, putting stuff on my own personal page and put on a you know, new page such as, such as the EA, EA podcast page. So without further ado, once again, here's Sister Tash. Sorry, let me just say it. greetings to all our listeners and thank you to our listeners that are listening, whether here in Australia or in other parts of the world. So without further ado, I give you Sister Natasha Copian sharing her story for God's glory. Hope you enjoyed. Take it easy. Have a safe week. Take care. For availing yourself for the podcast, it means a lot. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. No worries, no worries. All right. Well, let's get straight into it. So, look, Tash, you know, it's wonderful to have you all the way from, you know, the good old state of South Australia, all the way <laughs> in the good old Adelaide. So, it's uh, it's it's wonderful to have guests, you know, from me. Thank you for once again availing yourself. It means a lot. And to, to move on forward in regards to that, look, I'm going to give you this time, sis, to tell us about yourself. Um, you know, your upbringing, you know, how did you come, you know, were you born in the church? Did you, you know, were you invited to church? How it all started, you know, sis? Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm Tash, as you know. Um, 25 years old, I was born into church. So my parents were already going to church when they had me. My grandparents actually started going to church in Alice Springs and then when they moved down, um, they attended the Adelaide Church. So then when my mum immigrated here when she was 17, 
they started attending the Adelaide Church as well. Um, after being invited by some other um, Salvadorians, so they um, they met at church, and then yeah, when they had me, they were already in church. So I've been I've been here my whole life since before the womb. Well, since in the womb, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess I've known God my whole life. You know, I have memories of my parents um, teaching me Acts two thirty eight. My they would print out scriptures and put them on the walls as posters and then we'd um, read them every night and reading me bible stories going to sunday school um and it's you know those are the only scriptures that i really know off by heart which is not great to admit at 25 but i think it's such a testimony of you know you raise your child up and they'll remember um what you've learned so yeah i like most teenagers you know i've had a difficult stage in my teen years where I really started to question is God real you know is what we believe in correct and I think everybody probably has those thoughts at some stage and being a teenager is really hard but I thank God that I was able to you know come to a realization come to a breakthrough where I just felt I remember so clearly I was I think around 17 and I'm not sure if you know brother Trey Keesling, but he was traveling around ministering and he came to our church and yes, I remember in, 20, in, uh, in 2015. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think I was 17. So I remember, I can't remember what he preached, but I remember that he called an altar call and I went down to the front and I just said, you know, God, if I'm going to keep coming, I need to know that this is right. I need to feel you. Um, you know, I, this has to be the day. And I remember feeling so clearly this feeling of like arms being wrapped around me and nobody was there. And I just, you know, I was refreshed with the Holy Ghost and I knew that God was there and that he loved me. And that was definitely my turning point, I think, where I've recommitted myself to God. And since then, it's all been you know, it hasn't all been a bed of roses, but I'm so blessed. I have so many blessings. Um, I've been involved in church. I've been involved in Sunday school. Uh, Jamie and I, my husband, Jamie, we're now the youth leaders. We've been doing that for about a year. Social media department. So I do our photography, Instagram, YouTube, our website, you know, any graphic design. Um, where I'm involved in the music ministry, singing, playing piano. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to give back. Um, to the house of God and to hopefully help others and minister to others so that they can have the same experience and feel the same love that I feel. So I guess that's kind of my testimony. I think my testimony is sort of like if you raise your children in church and you show them the love of God, you put in their hearts God's ways and teach them to have their own relationship with God, you know, they may leave. I was really blessed in that. I'd never actually physically left the church, but mentally I can definitely say that I checked out. But, you know, it stays. It stays in your heart. And I think, yeah, my life is a testimony that um, of, of the life that God can give, I guess, when you're fully you're raised in the church, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm really blessed. I'm really grateful for the wonderful family that I've had, the like the privilege, I guess, of being raised in church. I'm so grateful for that. And I hope that I can do the same for my children when they 
when they come. Amen, Tash. I really, you know, that's a wonderful start off, and it's a wonderful introduction, especially you know, you know where you, you know where you've come from, where you, you know how you started, and basically you're a PK. Yeah, I am. My parents are the pastors here um, in Adelaide at Gospel Lighthouse. So, yes, I'm a PK. <laughs> shout, out, um, shout out to Pastor Jeff Barendorf and Sister Barendorf, all the way in Gospel Lighthouse in Adelaide. Had the privilege of going there in 2012 and 2013 for Australian Youth Missions. So, wonderful, wonderful church and wonderful people. But on top of that as well, um, Tash, so your your nationality. So, of course, you've got the El, Salvador, El Salvadorian um, ethnicity from mom's side. Um, what, mm-hmm. What's dad's heritage? I've always wanted, because Barendorf, that's not a, you know, it doesn't sound like an Australian name. Yeah, well, it's very interesting, actually. So it's German. Mm. So our ancestor, um, I believe his name is Wilhelm Barendorf, came down from Germany in the 1800s. I want to say 1880. I'm not quite sure. Uh, and he immigrated here with his wife and they moved to Queensland and had a lot of kids. There's a lot more Berendorf up in Queensland, but it's funny because anytime I see anyone with the last name Berendorf, I know they're related to me. So I'm like, hmm, we're family <laughs> somehow. But yeah, that's that's where it came from. So it's German. A long, 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 long time ago, though, I think all the German connections gone aside from the name. So... Well, there you go. So, but mixture, mixture of German and El Salvadorian blood, European and and Latin America. So that's uh, right. <laughs> so it's wonderful to see that deadly combination, uh, Sister Tash. But on, on top of it as well, you you brought something, you know, that is very unique, especially with a young person being a PK, born and raised in church, gone through Sunday school, you know, having scriptures, you know, being, you know, um. I'm going to put up on your wall and so on and so forth. But you're going mm-hmm. through a stage, you know, being, of course, a teenager and now, and now you're a youth leader. And, you know, you had that moment, you know, so well, that moment, that turning point moment as a 17 year old. Mm. And as a 17 year old, you know, it was like that moment where, you know, it's like, all right, this is it. You know, it's like, I got to, you know, this is this is the moment where, you know, it has that, you know, the turning point moment. The reason why I'm saying this, Sister Tash, is that, you know, to, start off straight away what word of advice would you give say to a pk you know to a preacher's kid that may be listening um what word of advice would you give to them they may be going through what you've been through you know when you were 17 you know that moment back in 2015 uh what word of advice would you give to a pk especially in regards to you know in regards to that yeah definitely i think the advice that i would give is to just keep going to church physically Don't allow yourself to, you know, drop out of showing up in person because even if your mind is not there 100%, you're still receiving the blessing of, you know, of being there, God's presence, even if you don't feel it strongly or you feel like you might not feel it. God is still, I mean, God's with us everywhere, but where the, the church of God gathers, God's presence is so much stronger as we know. So I would say keep going and also the blessing of, the people at church that love you, even if you don't necessarily feel like it at the time, those people are there and whether you know or not, they're probably praying for you. So I think if anybody out there, any PK, but anybody I guess is going through that, I really strongly encourage you to keep going to church, keep showing up, keep, you know, making the effort to get there 
and God will bless you. You will break through. God will touch you. Um, you just have to keep going. Amen, Sister Tesh. Because the reason why I asked that, because, look, uh, you know, for myself, look, I'm not a PK, but I've seen, you know, this year will be 20 years now since I've stepped into a Pentecostal church. And over that 20 mm-hmm. years, I've seen PKs, you know, preachers, kids that have grown. And unfortunately, some have gone astray. You know, some have decided to go out, you know, take their inheritance and go out, you know, go experience the lifestyle outside, mm-hmm. of, you know, outside of the church or so. But, it, like, it's wonderful that what you've shared, because... You know, look, I've known you for well, basically since 2012. So what is that now? Mm. Coming up on nine, yeah, nine years. Uh, no, 11 years, sorry. Yeah. 11 years, man, time flies fast. And <laughs> look, you, you've stayed in church, you know, you had the moment, but now you're heavily involved and, you know, you're just, you know, you're becoming involved in some way. Basically, you're, you know, what's that uh, What's that term? Uh, jack of all trades. You're involved in everything. I am, yeah. So you're involved I am. in everything. And we'll go um, into that as well in regard to, you know, being a church, you know, besides in Sydney. But um, it just shows, you know, how far you've come and, you know, you just got to, that's a good word, of, good word of advice you've given to, especially PKs, because, uh, of course, when I got in Parramatta, you know, little Darian. Yeah, he's so sweet. Yeah, you know, Pastor Ben Rebel and Sister Rebel's kid. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I think of those three kids, you know, being PKs and, you know, probably the, probably the pressure, you know, being, oh, look, I'm a PK. And I've got to show that, you know, good example as well. As Was that the case for you as well, Tash, you know, being a PK? No, like, man, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. You know, my, my dad's a pastor. So I thought, man, I've got, to, I've, I've got to make sure that I show a good representation of my, my siblings. I think it was a little bit different for me because my parents became pastors when I was a teenager already. Okay. So I was already quite a bit older I can't remember how old I was but probably at least 13 14 I think around then um but having said that I'm the oldest of four uh, and at the time when I was growing up there weren't any kids my age I was the oldest so I've yeah. always had that sort of big sister mentality um role model mentality as I'm sure my siblings can tell you uh, caretaker mentality so I guess I think for me there wasn't that much added expectation because I was already sort of performing as if I already had it, if that makes sense. So I already felt like I needed to be an example um, and to look after the younger kids, I guess. So I'm not able to give much advice about the pressure, but I do think there is pressure from perhaps other parents who want their kids to behave um so but what you said about you know pastors kids going out and experiencing the world I feel like that's a really big thing maybe not just for pastors kids but certainly for kids who are raised in church and don't they feel like they're missing out I mean I oh I mean I felt like I was missing out at times um on experiences on things that my parents wouldn't allow me to do you know um or perhaps things that I wouldn't even be invited to because they you know the people knew that my friends knew that I wouldn't be allowed to go and I think it really as a teenager it's very difficult um because you can't see that those things aren't really worth the time until you grow older Mm. so I think that's a sort of another pressure that they face you know pastors kids and church kids face that's internal it's not somebody else putting that pressure on them it's an internal pressure pressure of 
I'm missing out. You know, I, I wish I could go and try this for myself. My friends are all having a great time. I'm missing out. And it's it's hard. But when you grow older and you look back on those things that maybe you did or you didn't do, you realise that, well, actually, I wasn't missing out. I've literally had the best, well, I, I can say for me, I've had the best life um, that I could ask for. So, but yeah, I think you're, you are right about the pressures that, that cause, um, unfortunately, church kids to fall away, to choose to go elsewhere. It is difficult. Yes, yes, uh, 100%, Ash. And um, look, shout out to all the PKs. Shout out to all the preachers' kids, pastors' kids that may be listening or talking, even to those that have been raised in the church mm. you know, since they were toddler. And, you know, you're on that stage right now where you're trying to figure out, man, um, is it worth going out and just, you know, tasting? Give them, you know, take my inheritance like the prodigal son and just going mm-hmm. out. Thank you for sharing, you know, Tash, from your perspective in regards to that. It's, it's wonderful to hear. And um, on top of that as well, look, it's wonderful to see now you're involved in youth leadership. You're involved in youth ministry as well. Uh, how has that been for you and Jamie? Um, you know, even though it's been one year, it's definitely been new and different. Yeah. Um, my leadership experience before, I guess, was limited to Sunday school. I didn't run it or anything, but you know, you lead the children. Uh, and my department of social media is quite small. It's just me and my sister or some other people that I volunteered to volunteer to help me. <laughs> But I think it's been really rewarding working with the youth and watching them grow. Something that really stood out to me was at this, you know, we, what we do is we have sort of a theme for every month of different topics that we're going to address. And in the last month, we had sort of a free-for-all Bible talk and where all our youth could just bring any random questions that they had about the Bible or doctrine or anything really. And we could, you know, try and give them an answer from a biblical perspective. And it was just so wonderful to see, like, the growth from the start of the year where our youth were all very shy and didn't really want to say anything to the end where they had all these really important questions that they felt comfortable enough to share with us. And I think that's been the greatest part about youth leading. And we're very early sort of in the ministry and that's, I know we'll sort of get more trust and more um, more of a deeper bond with the youth as we go. But it's been so rewarding seeing our youth grow and our youth grow in their ministry as well through the year, which I hope is somewhat from our support. But just being able to be there for them, it's been really wonderful. Youth ministry is something that I feel like I always knew that I would be a youth leader eventually. My parents were our youth leaders for a really long time before they started pastoring. And I just naturally saw myself uh, heading there eventually. But as you said, I am a jack of all trades. So I really (laughs) just, you know, if something needs to be done, then I'll put my hand up to do it. Uh, So it was sort of the same with youth. There was a position that opened up. And so Jamie and I put our hands up as available. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's been great been great amen amen tash it's wonderful to see yourself you know because you know youth ministry it's a it's a challenging ministry because you're, you're dealing mm-hmm. with young people you know they've they've left that age sort of that age of innocence in sunday school well hopefully mm-hmm. they're innocent in sunday school but you know going into that going into that you know that realm of you know 
being a teenager and seeing things open, you know, the eyes open to many different things. See, yeah. for me back in when I was a teenager, you know, social media was just coming into the equation. You know, that was when, you know, MySpace and Bebo, if you remember, mm. that were the big things. Those Facebook was still Facebook was still uh was still a rarity back then. But for yourself, you know, be you know, being a youth ministry lead, youth leader now in that, you know, in the youth ministry. Um, have they, you know, of course it's dealt with in all in all in all churches as well. But for yourself being in the place such as Adelaide where there's not much, you know, in comparison to Sydney where there's other churches. Mm-hmm. So um is it sometimes challenging at times trying to have like sort of fellowship with, you know, other churches around the Adelaide area or in or you know neighboring states or so or like you know, asking questions, for example, like in regards to, you know, how to tackle social media or, or, or other things relating to young people, Tesh, in that sort of manner? Do you mean sort of like having joint sessions? Yeah, so in that, yeah, that manner, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's difficult. There's only two churches in Adelaide, mm. um, but we're pretty far away from each other over yes. an hour uh, and I know in Sydney that that's absolutely nothing but in Adelaide it's over an hour that's the other end of the earth so <laughs> yeah you know especially because it's youth and it's Friday so you know you travel to one end of town and then everybody wants to stay and have a chat but then if you go home then it's already midnight and they are kids so it is a bit tricky I think um, organizing things like that but I definitely think so with the social media we've had great um, like a, a good time seeing each other's photos um, and videos on Instagram I've certainly enjoyed seeing um, the other church with their you know we each make reels of what we're doing so that's really lovely to see both youth groups are thriving um, that way so I think social media has been a blessing in that we can connect to churches both in our state and externally so easily. And especially the National Youth Ministry, a lot of their resources have been really excellent. You know, we've shared them to our pages. We tell our youth, you know, can you have a look at this? Make sure that you check out the National Youth stuff as well as other youth. Um, And sometimes the things that the other youth are doing in different states is also inspiring and like as what we can do too. Mm. So I think social media is definitely a double-edged sword. It's so easy to compare yourself to other churches, but it's also so good to be able to easily catch up and connect to other churches as well and other youth groups. Yeah. That's, now, that's wonderfully said, Natasha, uh, especially in regards to that matter, because, like, you know, of course, being seen, there's multiple churches here, and just as you mentioned, you know, and now it's a now is nothing to us, you know. There's the good old motorways here, but you have to pay toll. But mm. in Adelaide, you know, now you know, I mean, oh, it's on the other side of you know, on the other side of the world. But on top of that, as well, you know, being you know, being a small church uh, for yourself, Tash. Um, just as I mentioned, you're the jack of all trades. You're involved in this, 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 you know, and it's wonderful to hear. It's wonderful. It's wonderful that you're helping as much as you can. But can it be sometimes burning at times, knowing that you're involved in everything? But it's like, man, you know, it's like. Lord, send some laborers to good old Gospel Lighthouse. Oh, yeah, 100%. If you're out there listening in Adelaide looking for a church and you play an instrument or, <laughs> you know, you can sing, you're interested in ushering, anything, welcome, please. Please come down. 
18 color eight Colorado courts we're waiting for you but yeah definitely I think it's it's when you're a jack of all trades you've got to try really hard not to burn out so especially in a small church we are quite small our leadership is quite small Mm. um and so it it is hard um and I I will admit I'm personally not great at setting time apart just to do things for myself or my family most of my spare time is spent doing our social media you know editing photos getting um, videos ready Instagram doesn't want photos anymore so you've got to make videos Uh, and I rely a lot on my husband to ask me like can we just have some time just to sit and not look at an iPad so I think that's definitely something to be aware of you know if you're also in the same similar position as me where you like to help and you know help is needed you've also got to be able to set some aside not to burn out so yeah it is tricky I guess it's the same with work I find that I sometimes say church is my second job you got to find that work-life balance that's it that's it Tash well you know it's um it's sometimes it's easy to say but it's hard to do eh yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay, moving on, my sis. In saying that, look, we've, um, you know, we've mentioned so much, but what have you learned, like, from your first moments of being born in the church? I mean, born physically, you know, and, yeah. and seeing mum and dad involved, and then now you're involved, and then, you know, you've seen what they went through, now you're going through now, to where you are now, like, as a youth leader, music ministry, what have you learned? What have you taken in? What have you grasped? I think for me, something that I've really learned is the importance of having good role models at the church because, like, for me, my parents are my biggest role models and even now I look up to them so much. And being able to see an example of what a godly person looks like and how they act is so important, especially when you're going through a hard time, I think, and you know that you can rely on that person to continue behaving in the same way that they, you know, that you expect them to, that gives you that sense of um, what's the right word, stability, I guess, because you can look to your role model and know that sort of, you know, everybody fails you sometimes, but you can look to them as sort of your rock while you don't feel like, you know, God is as close as you want him to be. I think, For me, what I've learned is I want to be that role model to someone else. I'm really passionate about women and girls in ministry in particular. But, you know, to all, I want to be that role model of a godly woman, a loving sister, a loving friend, somebody that is reliable, somebody that truly loves, you know, truly loves you, the person that's looking up to me, somebody that is worth aspiring to. Um, somebody that's human definitely and makes mistakes but somebody that shows God's love um, as as needed to all that that need it which is really everybody in this world so that's probably my biggest takeaway that being a good role model is so much more important than we think and even if we don't know it even if you don't feel it somebody out there is probably looking up to you right now so you know, it's important to keep that in mind as well. 
that somebody out there is also relying on us and in turn you know I'm relying on someone else so it's all about that interconnection I guess mm, being a good role model thank mm. you Sasha I really that's that's why I wonderful to see what you've learned you know from your first moments but talking about moments mm. you're happily married to now nearly uh, you know what guys recently just guys local license Reverend Jamie Copian so shout out to you brother hopefully you hear this so, you know, the moments for you, you know, how, how did it all start with you and uh, with Reverend James, Sister Tash? Oh, well, wow. Jamie is actually a little embarrassing to admit, but Jamie is actually an answered prayer for me. So oh. when I know, see, God provides, but genuinely when I was maybe like 15 or 16, and I was in a little bit of like a rebellious stage. Actually, I was very much like, I'm never going to get married. I'm just going to be single forever and live my best life. But I said, and not in like a really serious prayerful way, but just in like a casual talking to God way. Mm. I said, well, if I'm going to get married, it's not going to be to someone from church. But if it is someone from church, it has to be someone who is like my dad. And when I said that, I meant like, he respects women, he's funny, and he likes to have a good time and he's going to prioritise me because that's those are the things that I see in my dad's relationship with my mum, which, yeah. you know, comes back to that old psychology, you know, what you see in your parents' relationship, you look for in your own. So mm. shout out to my parents for having what I consider a very good relationship that I would want that for me. And so I said it in kind of like a, not a joking way, but certainly not in like a, oh, I really want a husband way. And then maybe a few months later, I think in the timeline, uh, Jamie started coming to church. So he started coming to church because his brother at the time, his girlfriend, who's now his wife, um, started coming to church and then she brought him and then she also brought Jamie. So he started coming to church and everyone at church was like, oh, you guys are going to get together. And I was like, ew, no, not interested. <laughs> but then slowly over time, we just became really good friends. Um, and then eventually we like, you know, started talking and then I was like, oh yeah, we can go out. Honestly, I didn't, this is going to sound terrible, but I had no intention of getting married when going out. I was still, I think I was 17 and I was like, yeah, let's just have a good time. I haven't had a proper boyfriend before. Um, but then I accidentally ended up falling in love with him. So that's how, um, that's how it all happened. So we just, we were just friends and then turned into more than friends. And then we got married, which I think is the best way to, to fall in love I think it's best to be friends first that's what I advise all my siblings should yeah. be friends first because yeah. if you're not friends then when all your good feelings fade like are you even going to want to hang around with them so yeah. that's what I think that's my advice to anyone out there who's yeah. thinking about dating someone be their friend first that's it be a friend first to all those uh, single men and single ladies in the church that's right, get in the friend zone. That's where it's, you want to be. Yep. Be in the friend zone. One thing I want to ask, especially for you, Tash, when dad was walking you down the aisle, you know, holding you, you know, dad, dad's little girl walking you down, was was um 
was possible. Did you have uh, shedding tears? Well, actually, funny you should say that. So my dad didn't. My mom did. And then my dad married us. So he had even more opportunity to cry. But I was really proud of him. He cried when I walked down with my mom. And Jamie was also crying. And then once I arrived, they both composed themselves. And he only kind of choked up once. So it was pretty good for the day. I was expecting him to be sobbing the whole time. My dad's a big crier. I'm a big crier too. And then every time I hear him cry, it sets me off. So I was like, no, he cannot cry. So, yes, he did cry a little bit, but he kept it together. Oh, that's that's nice, man. Shout out once again to Pastor Jeff Verandolph. Thank you. I know. Shout out to you, Pastor. And thank you once again for allowing me to have this uh, interview with Sister Tash. So on top of that as well, Tash, you know, of course, with that wedding, you know, the wedding happily married. And, you know, you know, you know what you've learned from then till now. My next question I, I want to ask on top of that is, um, what is what do you love about church? Now, we've of course you've been you're involved in everything, you know. Of course, being in a small church, I've heard this saying from one minister. You know, if you're, you know, sort of in a small church or small assembly, you know, use what you've got. And my question on today is, what is your favorite thing about church? You know, overall, being that gospel lighthouse in wonderful Adelaide. Yeah, I would say, firstly, the sense of like love and peace that I feel when we're worshiping together Mm. from God. But I guess that really comes down to the community. You know, church is a family and when people come to church, and I think even more so now as I'm growing in our ministry as leaders, as youth leaders, as but just in general, I feel such like a love for people when they come through our doors and they you know, they come to experience God. They come to experience that sense of community and family. So I think my favorite thing, aside from the spirit of God, of course, is being a part of that greater family of God. You know, we're adopted into God's family as our father. And I have so many wonderful brothers and sisters that I love that I probably never would have met, never would have known if it wasn't for church. We just come from such different walks of life. And it's just so lovely to be able to eat with these people, talk with these people, to love and care about them. So mm. that's that's definitely my favorite thing about church. Amen. And you know, just as you mentioned, you know, church is like you know, it's family, it's community, making everyone welcome. Um, on top of that, as well, in regard to that, with a church, you know, with a small church, do you sometimes mm. see, you know, as, even though it's a small church and it's a grown church? that it can be an advantage, it can be, it's also a blessing as well, because you get to connect with everyone in some way or some manner, as like in a big church, it can be difficult at times, but it's in a small church, it's like, oh, there's, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, like you can connect in some way or some manner. Yeah, definitely. I think that is a really big advantage of being in a small church. And one of my favorite things that we do is we have what we call Family Sunday every five, uh, every month with a five Sundays and then after the morning service we all bring food and we just eat together and that's something that you can't really do once your church gets really big I mean even in our church we're starting to fill up the whole back area we've got to start eating outside to fit everyone but I'm kind of not looking forward to the day when we're so big that we can't fit everybody out the back sitting around you know a bunch of tables eating together and talking because it's just so nice to have that that community with each other I know there are advantages 
I mean, we want to see God's kingdom grow and the church grow. But I definitely will miss, you know, those little moments of being able to talk to everyone after service, being able to go around before we leave and make sure that we say goodbye to everyone and, you know, have a, did you have a good week? We missed you. So I, I definitely think that is an advantage of having a smaller church. And also as well, Tash, we being a small church that, you know, in Adelaide, is it, um, could it be a blessing as well that you see everyone's growth uh, more clearly, when I mean more clearly, you know, since it's a small congregation, that you get to see it clearly in a way from your own perspective, your own view, and that, hey, look, sister so-and-so is growing, you know, um, in the ways of the Lord, you know, from Bible school, Bible school, or Bible studies to Bible school, and then be involved in ministry. Do you sometimes see that as a blessing as well, Sister Tash? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think time goes by so quickly that you really have to take a moment to look back and think, oh, my goodness, they've been coming for, you know, three years now. They've been helping out with the lunches. They've been doing this and that because it's such a natural, I feel like it's such a natural development when people start growing in the Lord that they become more more used or more willing to to do things and yeah, I think it is a blessing to be able to not only see them grow, but to grow with them in their mm. ministry. Yeah, I think so. Amen, amen, sis. I really love you, Alex. You're doing a wonderful job. On top of that <laughs> Thank as well, you. <laughs> on top of that as well, sis, scripture. Your favorite scriptural scriptures, and why are they your favorite scriptural scriptures? I did just choose one, so I prepared for this. I will admit, as I said, the scriptures that I know off by heart are the ones that my parents taught us. All other scriptures I know generally, but not the reference. So I looked up this one because I knew I knew the important part. So my favorite scripture right now is Joshua twenty four fifteen, which mm-hmm. I'll read it out. It says, And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here Joshua was speaking to the children of Israel and he's basically telling them to pick a side um, as to who they're going to serve. Is it going to be God or is it going to be someone else? Mm. And I, I really like this verse because it reminds me that there's no fence sitting with God. You either choose him or you choose someone else. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, a little bit here, a little bit there. And I also, the line, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's such a united front. And Jamie and I are hoping to become parents soon. And we've both had quite a few conversations about, you know, how we need to be a united front in serving God, in being absolutely secure in, you know, our belief in our doctrine of God so that when our kids get older, you know, they'll know this house serves God, not just mom, it's not just dad, this house as a whole serves God. Amen. So that's why I think it's it's my favourite. We used to have it in a frame in my parents' house. I think Rowan Barrett gave it to us and, yeah, I'd always, I'd always read it as well. And I, yeah, I just, I really like that scripture because it just reminds me, you know, me and my house, and you can do whatever you want. Anybody else can, you know, I can't control anyone else, but I can control my own destiny. And me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Amen. Praise God. 
that's it, man. You know, in my house, your house, we're going to serve the Lord. Praise Jesus. Thank mm-hmm. you for scripture. Sister Taz, Joshua 24, 15. Amen. 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 So, moving on, sis. We're going to move to another scenario. Pretend right, right, there's a table in front of you. I don't know. I don't know where you are, but pretend there's a table in front of you. You got five chairs, five people from the Bible, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament. You choose to sit in your table for dinner. So I call these seven guests, you know, coming to Tasha's house for dinner. Uh, so which five people you will choose from Old Testament, New Testament, and why? I feel like he shouldn't count. I would totally invite Jesus, obviously, <laughs> although he's technically here in my house. But yes, I would invite Jesus. But I feel like he shouldn't count because you should. Everybody should be inviting Jesus. So I think hmm, it's tricky because there's a lot of interesting people in the Bible, but I wouldn't want them in my house. So I think I would pick. Firstly, I think I would pick Miriam, sister of Moses. My middle name is Miriam, so I'm kind of biased towards her. So she's one of my favorites. I think I would choose Miriam. She was a prophet and a songwriter because I feel like I can relate to her a little bit. Maybe just because we have the same name. But, you know, she was an older sister. She looked after her little brother. We know, well, she watched him. She at least tried when he was in the, when Moses was in the river. And then she did go and, you know, I don't know if that was her plan to get her mom to look after Moses when he was found or whether it was someone else's. But she, I think, did her best as an older sister to look after her brothers. Um, and we also read that, you know, she was human. She, from what we could tell, got a little bit jealous that Moses was the leader and she wasn't and Aaron did the same. And she got punished by God for that not permanently, which is fine. But I just think, you know, she was a human. I think I can relate to her a little bit. Um, and so we don't hear as much about her in the Bible as we do from Moses and Aaron because they got such a central spot, I guess, in the ongoing Israeli culture. Aaron is the the um, high priest and obviously Moses is leader. So I think it would be just interesting to find out what else did she do? Did she have kids? Did she write any more songs? You know, I'm sure she had a place in their society as some kind of leader. It just, I mean, she was a prophet. So I think it would be interesting to hear more from her. My second choice would be Deborah. So she was a judge, a prophet, and another songwriter. And as a lawyer, I really admire Deborah because she was a judge. I think that's really cool. I don't think I will ever become a judge one day. But it would be a very difficult job, in my opinion. So mm. I think she'd have a lot of wisdom to share. Um, yeah, I think she'd have a lot of wisdom to share. And again, she's a songwriter. I want to. I have aspirations to write and record my own music. So I feel like having at least two songwriters from the Bible around would be very useful, very enriching. So Miriam, Deborah. I guess I'd choose Joseph. I've got to have a guy in there, right? <laughs> Joseph, yes, yes. <laughs> I can't just choose all ladies. But Joseph to me is one of the like the rare, unproblematic men in the Bible. Uh, I think he had great strength of character. I really admire his patience, his strength of will, his strong morals. I think he 
he's a man that I I look up to, even though I've never met him. But in the Bible, you know, he's he is a good role model. So I think I'd like him to come to my house for dinner. Um, let's see. I guess I better pick some people from the New Testament. So I probably choose Lydia. Lydia was a businesswoman, a seller of purple, which was a very expensive type of uh, material back then. And she also led what they refer to as like a prayer group who then Paul preached to and then they converted. So I think it'd be really interesting to have her because she was a businesswoman. She was leading her church group. She probably had very most likely already had a family as well. So I think she'd be able to give a lot of good advice as to how to balance work life, as we were saying before, as well as potentially how to outreach since she made that group um, of followers. So I think that'd be really, really interesting to have her. And lastly, I would have to choose Phoebe, our known female deacon in the New Testament. I we really don't know anything about her except where she was from and the fact that she was a deacon. So I think that I just love to have a conversation and find out what she did, where, you know, what was her story? Who were her family? How was it being, you know, being a woman in a position of leadership in those days? I mean, it's, it's certainly still not easy these days, but I can't even imagine how much harder it would have been back then. So I think should be really, really interesting to have over for dinner. So I guess those are my five people, Miriam, Deborah, Joseph, Lydia, Phoebe, and then, of course, Jesus. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, man. Hey, man, sis. Well, there you go. You know, you got the one guy there. That, that That's okay. But all drawn by this. <laughs> but one thing you pointed out, and um, as you mentioned, you know, in regards to Deborah being a judge, so you work in law. Yes, I'm a lawyer. Um, I am a lawyer. I'm not a practicing lawyer, but I am a lawyer. So my job is in administrative law. I work in regulation. Okay. A little bit like judging, but I don't make any final decisions or anything like that. I just, I don't judge on the rules. I just enforce them. So, yeah, I, I do really look up to Deborah as judge. I think specifically because I do have that law background. I was like, oh, judge. <laughs> <laughs> but it said that because that's you, that's you I think you're your first person ever that I've come across that is actually involved in law. Because I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to sorry, not be a lawyer. I wanted to do law uh, mm. in high school. So I did legal studies uh, during my time in high school from year nine, uh, from um, yeah, from year, year 10 to 12. No, oh, sorry, wow. nine to twelve, and of course you got the statute law, you got the common mm-hmm. law, you got the family law, you got the environmental law. So you got all these many laws and statutes and that. But then, you know, when when I wanted to be a lawyer, and I realized, well, what do you have to go to? So oh, I think I'll take a pass on that. Don't be so <laughs> but like you've got so much. Like you, if you can, um, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tash, with a lawyer, there's so much involved in remembering laws, remembering the paragraphs, remembering the dot points, remember making sure that what you interpret or what you say is actually is actually correct. You, is exactly correct. And it's not, you know, you're not making that, you know, you're not twisting the words right. Am I right about that? Uh, you don't have to remember things off by heart, I wouldn't okay. say. I think eventually you will know whatever your area is pretty close off by heart. 
but yeah, I think there definitely is a bit of pressure in in uh, making sure that you're interpreting the law correctly. Having yep. said that, there's definitely areas of law where you want to twist the words around to your advantage. Okay. Um, not not sound like a. Good <laughs> well, it just depends. Lawyers, we're just here to get the best outcome for our client. So, if the law sounds a little bit better for your client one way, then that's the way that you're going to argue. But the point, I guess, is in the end that the correct interpretation should win out. That's the point of our system, the adversarial system, that you're just supposed to fight and fight until you you get to the middle and that should be the right the right thing. But yeah, law law is a lot of reading and it's a lot of writing. But I think it's attainable. I think you could do it. I think anybody can do a law degree with enough determination, with enough grit and spit and duct tape. I think you could do it, Brother Cruz. <laughs> um let me see here. I'm thinking about balancing is God's will. But on top of that as well, are you, are you the sort of lawyer, you know, you know like the shows, you guys, you know, objection or, you know, tell me the truth. You can't handle the truth, you know? No. So those are lawyers that work in courtrooms. So they're called barristers. Uh, um, whereas I, I'm registered as a barrister and a solicitor, but I don't work in the court. I work in an office far away from from cross-examinations and I guess far away from the drama but also far away from the stress so I think I prefer it I prefer it where I am <laughs> okay cool man but no it's, it's wonderful to see to hear that you're a lawyer so shout out to Deborah. I think these guys will have a very good conversation in regard to different types of law yeah I think so too it'd be so interesting to hear because there were so many laws in the old testament but we can see so clearly that a lot of them weren't followed or they were open to very broad interpretation. So I think it would be so interesting to hear, you know, her interpretation of different laws, how she would apply them to different circumstances, whether there were any, you know, precedents, case law that were applied that we weren't necessarily recorded in the Bible, but that the judges knew from prior judges. Yeah, there'd be so much, so much interesting. So so many interesting things to talk about. Nice, nice, man. So shout out to Deborah, the judge, and of course, the, the rest you've mentioned. Um, but look, <laughs> that's wonderful that you brought forth your five. Look, sis, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, I've really enjoyed, you know, you know your, your beginnings, you know, being born, raised in the church, that turning point moment as a 17-year-old, you're happily married now, you know, dad. You know, dad married these guys together, mom walked you down the aisle. You're involved in many ministries. You know, you're a jack of all trades. You're in a small church where it is growing. And it's, seen, it's great to see that. Once again, shout out to Gospel mm-hmm. Lighthouse all the way in Adelaide. Your favorite scripture of Joshua 24, 15 and your five, five people in the Bible. But if I was to give you this, sis, before we conclude, what's a word of encouragement? A word of encouragement you can give to believers or to those that are listening on this podcast, what would that be, my sis? Yeah, definitely. I think if I could leave one word of encouragement, not just one word, but I would just encourage you to keep going. You know, God keeps us and he blesses us if we're you know, seeking to be in his will, but sometimes difficult things are going to happen. God never promised us a perfect life. In fact, he... he God's not 
to blame, I guess, for the things that happen to us. Not everything that happens is what God wants. And I think we just need to look around at the news and we can see that the things that happen in this world are not what God wants for anyone. But I really just want to encourage you to keep going. God may not, you know, certain things may happen that are not in God's will, but God can help us through those things and heal us from those things. So even if things seem difficult, even if it seems too hard to bear, keep trusting in God, keep believing in God, keep talking to God, keep that that relationship with God because at the end of the day, the only person who can make sure that you're saved is you. The only person that can make sure that I'm saved is me. And so you have to keep going with God. He wants that close relationship with us. He wants to be our father. You know, he has that love of a parent towards us. So I just want to encourage you, whoever is listening today, just keep going with God. Don't give up, but just keep going with him. Amen, Sister Tash. Amen. What a way to finish that off. Keep going with the Lord. Sister Tash, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No worries. No worries. Thank you so much for availing yourself to be on the podcast. I understand the time zones are different. It's approaching 11 o'clock here in Sydney, Australia. And in Adelaide, it's half an hour less. It's 10.30 over there. But once again, my sis, thank you so much for sharing your story for God's glory. It's wonderful to see that, you know, you're heavily used in the church and involved in youth ministry and other parts of the, you know, ministry, so on and so forth. But look, it's wonderful to see. And, and just keep on keeping on, my sis. And once again, I just wish you all the best for 2023 for up, uh, the upcoming regional youth camps or ladies and ministers retreat or so on and so forth. Thanks, brother. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. God bless. And you, and then, uh, yeah, you take care and, uh, have a wonderful 2023, my sis. Thank you, you too. Uh, take care. Take care. Bye.